Love that theme music. Who doesn't? I mean, it's just so catchy. It just grabs your attention and it tells you you have entered the steam room, the podcast, which uh, I don't know. Charles Barkley, is it is it the world's most popular? Is it? Is We're in the top five most popular podcasts in the world. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I hope there hasn't been. It fluctuates between three and four, actually, but I just rounded out. We're in the top five. All right, so there hasn't been much slippage. Uh, welcome, everybody, Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Thanks for being with us. Uh, it's our last episode uh, of this calendar year. Thank God. Yeah, it's our second. It's our Ooh. second episode of our second season and we'll have obviously much more to come after new year's i'm ready for 2020 to be over this is the worst year in the history of civilization yeah we're ready to give 2020 a swift kick uh that's for (laughs) sure and uh we thank you all for being with us all you loyal steamers and we always start the, the the podcast with chuck's first of all which is if you're a first time listener Chuck prefaces everything he says with first of all, even if it's the eighth thing in a sequence. So what's uh, what's first of all this week? Listen, there's two people who I lost this week I want to, uh, I want to acknowledge. Uh, one was the great Kevin Green, a friend for, for ever since I met him at Auburn, passed away this week at 58 years old. Everybody know he was a Hall of Famer. From the days I met him at Auburn, to being a great player in the NFL, to being a great coach in the NFL. I always tell people, yeah, he was a great player, but, man, he was a good man. He was a good dude. And he was a diehard Auburn man. And I just want to give a shout-out to the Auburn family. We all stick together. and We lost a great one in Kevin Green this week. And I just want to give his family my thoughts and prayers. And secondly, nobody knows this guy, but he's one of the biggest inspirations in my life. He's a guy I went to high school with who passed away this week from COVID. His real name was Bernard Lockhart, but everybody in my hometown called him Yogi. When you're in a small town growing up, you have very few guys you look up to. And the reason Yogi is such an inspiration to me and everybody in my hometown, you were the first great player we had in my high school. The thing about it was we used to make fun of him. Before we all got good at sport, he was running every day. In the middle of the summer, we like, who is this crazy dude running in the middle of the summer? And you know how the heat is in the south, oh. the humidity is in the south, Ernie. No doubt. And, and to be honest, we said, who is this fool running in the middle of the summer? But as we got older, we realized what it meant to be great in sports, hard work. And he was my first person that I was like, I have to work as hard as that guy. And I was like, wow, that's what it takes to be great at sports. So I just want to give my best to Yogi's family. And a really cool thing about it, I got to tell him that his wife, Jackie, is a high school teacher. And about a month ago, he asked me what I speak to Jackie's class. She teaches a theater class. And I got a chance. I said, hey, that guy over there is one of my heroes, her husband, Yogi. And I got a chance to tell him that before he passed. I told him before privately. But I got a chance to tell these high school students what he meant to me. And I said, that's how hard you have to work to be great at sports. So, Kevin Green, I'm going to miss you. And Yogi, I'm going to miss you. So, those are my first couple. And my heart goes out to you, Chuckster, because that's hard, man. And it's, uh, you know, as we get older, it just seems it happens more and more frequently. And that's, you know, it's a very sobering thought. And it's, you know, it's, it's a downer, but it's... 
but it's a fact of life. As, as we get older, these people we grew up with or those yeah. who were slightly older, I mean, there can be times when weeks, you know, there will be a week where you, you know, three or four people that know your names or, or friends yeah. um, have passed. That's tough, man. If there's somebody special in your life who helped you, and I got a chance to tell Yoga that, and Kevin Green knows what he meant to me. If there's somebody who helped you become successful, pick up the phone right now and say, hey, I just want you to know you had a huge effect upon my life. I'm glad you were in my life. I don't think we do that enough. I probably should do that to Ron and Rennie more. I told Bernard and Kevin many times, but Ron Rafford and Rennie Hardy, man, those guys, I probably should tell them more like, yo, man, thank you. You know, Ernie, you're over 60, and I'm 60 in a couple of years. People are going to die more frequently. Like I said, if you a law steamer, man, pick up the phone and tell somebody, hey, thank you for being in my life and the help you gave me. Yeah, this this sounds like something, Chuck. Uh, when I, I do a lot of public speaking, and I always try to make a point of that is to tell the audience that, look, when they look back on their lives, there are there are folks who had impacts and don't even know it. And you haven't spoken to them in, in so long. And uh, like, I still talk to my old little league baseball coach who's 92 now and lives up in North Carolina, Roger Thompson. It just, it's, it's an amazing thing to have, and, and you can hear it in folks' voices when you call and just say, thanks. It, you, you will just make their lives. Yeah. And, 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 and so, yeah, I, I would encourage that too. And, and especially with the availability of like Facebook and stuff like that, you can find some people. I mean, it's not like it used to be where you said, I wonder what ever happened to. Yeah. There, there were, there are ways to find where folks are these days. So if you're, if you're stuck for a Christmas present here, a couple of days before Christmas, call somebody, call an old teacher, call an old coach, just call an old friend and just say, man, you were on my mind or, and just reconnect. It's uh, as I like to call them, it's, it, it's, it's a Blackberry moment. It's something so sweet that, uh, that uh, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be life-changing. Yeah. Rest in peace, Kevin Green and Yogi Bernard Lockhart. What else you got on your mind here on this last show? Anything else before we uh, head to our guests? Yeah, I want to thank Gus Malzahn for the years at Auburn. He was a very good coach and a good man. I I got nothing but good things to say about Gus Malzahn. I I understand getting fired is part of the business, but I want him to know I appreciate. I appreciate him being on our podcast last year. And uh, I just want to wish him continued success wherever he goes. And also, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. The new coach is Brian Harson. He's coming over from Boise State. I just want to welcome him to the Auburn family. I'm going to support Auburn no matter who the coach is. Uh, but Coach Harson, welcome to the Auburn family. And anything I can do to help Auburn, I'm always on your speed dial because Auburn's the greatest place in the world. You're going to let him paint the field blue? No, we're not doing that stupid thing. He's not in Idaho anymore. <laughs> no, hey, Coach, we're not in Idaho. Bring, bring some potatoes for some French fries, but we're not going to paint our field that ugly blue color. No, no, that's a, that's, that's a hard no, Ernie. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you a question before we go to break? Sure, brother. That's it for first of all, correct? Yes. All right. So here's my other question. Rumor has it 
that for health reasons, you have started drinking coffee. Is this true? So, first of all, Ernie, it's the nastiest thing in the world. What is? Coffee. Oh, no, I love me some coffee. So, somebody sent me an article about, it, it was a, from a, a medical journal, said nine reasons you should drink coffee. Diabetes, dementia, Parkinson's. It's supposed to help with nine, and I can't remember every disease. So I've had it like two weeks now. I've got to figure out, because I know if you put a bunch of junk in it, it probably won't have the same effect. Yeah. But, that, hey, black coffee is awful. It's just nasty and disgusting. But you're, but So how much black coffee are you drinking? I'm trying to do two cups a day, but I can't do black. It, it, it's, it's just nasty. You some like some some uh, non dairy creamer or something like that you could put in there. Well, that's what I figured out. Non uh, half and half a non dairy creamer, but black coffee itself just was just nasty, man. So I'm, I've had it for two weeks now. I don't have any other than the live. I don't know why y'all drink that stuff. So I'm hoping the health benefits uh, outweigh the taste. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. but man. I've never had coffee into my life until the last couple of weeks. And I've been out with friends and like, I'll just take some black coffee. And I tried to drink black coffee. I'm like, I am not drinking this stuff. It's awful. <laughs> awful. So should I get you a Starbucks gift card? I, I, I would not know what to order. Maybe you can get a latte. So what does that mean? It's kind of like a creamer or something like that, but it's, it's in how they make it. And so it's not as as bitter as a regular cup of coffee. So maybe oh, so you, could you try admit that. black coffee is bitter. You admit it that can, it can be if you, you know, if it's been sitting there for a long time. Ernie, how much coffee do you drink? Drink a cup of coffee in the morning, and then I mean, it just depends. Sometimes, you know, I'll swing by a Starbucks, get a latte or something like that, and and I throw you know you know a latte with a couple of Splenda in it, so it sweetens it a little bit. That's what I, I would suggest you do that. You go to Starbucks, and here's what here's what you ask for. Okay, write this down. Okay. You got something to write down? All right. You got a pen right here. Here's what you do. You go to Starbucks, and you say you would like a grande. That mean bigger, right? Yeah, they, they called it. But a grande, extra hot, two Splenda latte. What does extra hot mean? It means because a lot of times they make theirs in it, in it you know, it doesn't stay as hot. So if you get it extra hot, it'll it'll be a little more long lasting. So a grande extra hot. Two Splenda. I wrote it down, brother. Grande extra hot two Splenda latte. I got it. You do that enough, it'll just roll off your tongue. Yeah, I, I gotta figure out something because if it's really gonna help help me, uh my goal for twenty twenty one is to get healthy. Yeah, that's that's an admirable goal. And uh, I don't make any uh I don't make any uh, New Year's resolutions and that kind of stuff, but certainly there are times where you say, you know what, this year I'm going to do this and, and do your best to do it. So getting healthy is good, Chuckster. I'm, I'm proud of you. Yes, sir, my brother. And then and then you'll be really jittery from all the coffee you drink. Be, you'll be really fun to be around. <laughs> hey, we got a couple of guests coming up on the show, colleagues of ours. I'm very excited for the special, special guest. Yeah, I'm not even going to give it away. Just stick around here on the steam room. We welcome you back to the steam room. 
and uh, uh, it's double barrel guests here, Chuckster. It is special, special guests today. Yeah, uh, you you probably heard them on opening night of the NBA season calling the Clippers and Lakers. If you didn't, shame on you. Uh, we welcome to the steam room, Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and as always, uh, we advise you guys to keep your towels on. Glad you said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was wondering what kind of steam room this was <laughs> this was all about, but... It's what you've uh, conjured up. Hey, Ernie, tell him, if you go to the right steam room, he can get a bracelet. Yeah, you could. You might get a loci bracelet if you hang out with Chuckster at the right steam room. I, I've been in a few steam rooms with Charles back in our Olympic days, so those were kind of wild, so hey, I'm here. That was going to be my first question, so please do tell. <laughs> uh, Charles and I have had some fun over the years. I have to say that. He's one of those guys that has always been in my corner. We've had some fun. That's all I'm going to say. There's, there's things that we could talk about on this steam room, and there's other things that are a little bit censored, but Charles is a good man. He is a good dude. So Kevin and Reggie, oh, you got the, you got the great Kevin Harlan. We've got to introduce him also, Ernie. I did. Okay. So, guys, Jeez. how crazy is trying to do basketball games compared to the bubble to now, guys? Well, I, I thought the bubble was easy. And even though we were looking through plexiglass and we were, you know, 20, 30, 40 rows off the floor, I liked it. I thought for what it was and what we had to go through, I thought it was terrific. The jury's out on what we're doing now doing it from home. First of all, it's because of safety. And I so appreciate our bosses thinking of that for us more than anything. The thing about doing a game when you're there is anticipating a move, a play, a pass, a cut, you know, and that is, is somewhat gone with doing it off of television. Even in the bubble, you could see something developing off ball down court, off to the side. Now it becomes, I think you're so concerned about making sure you got the guys right. I always used to identify guys by body type, moves, hair, you know, whatever. Now you're looking at the number. You're making sure you got your, I've never done basketball by looking at guys' uniform numbers. In football, that's all we do is look at uniform numbers. In basketball, we've got to kind of retrain our eye and, and we're dealing right now just technically with some delay. And I think maybe the fans are finding it at times. Maybe we're behind the play and they think, why are they so slow? Why are they, why are they sluggish with their call? Why aren't they? And we're just, we're just trying to feel our way through the dark. But listen, our technicians at CNN and Warner Media have been phenomenal. The fact they're pulling this off has been remarkable. And I'm so appreciative, like we said, before of, of the safety that they're putting, you know, first and foremost with all of us and not being at the arena as of now. I've done some baseball games remotely. And what you miss most is just seeing everything that's going on in front of you. You know, you see somebody step up on the top step of the dugout and, and be given the umpire all kind of chirping. And unless you're 
producer and director are showing that at that point, you're really at the mercy of what is on the screen uh, because you just can't see that Ty Lue got up and is screaming about something, you know, that you would see if you were there actually at the game. Uh, so that's what kind of makes it, in my mind, made it difficult. Also, you you come you come to appreciate all the little things and all the nuances that you see when you're actually in the arena or in the ballpark. I always felt, and Charles can attest to this. You know, I am the master of reading body language, and as a player, you know, you could tell when a guy was tired or just got cussed out by his coach or teammate. And you fed off of that and you use that to your advantage. Well, I've kind of applied that to the booth working with Kevin during timeouts, uh, during dead ball situations. Yep. Like you just mentioned, uh, EJ, you know, when a, you know, a guy comes up from the, you know, the batter's box and, you know, he's talking to a fan. It's those little nuances that personally I miss being at the 50 yard line, being able to, you know, have the best job in the world calling these games that that's what you miss as for the bubble I agree with Kevin it was the the hardest thing for the bubble was actually getting there you know the travel and worrying about what was going on once we were actually in the bubble and we got tested and it was just us it was beautiful because it was just us at the arena I mean I didn't mind us being up we had almost it was like a we were calling a hockey game a little bit because we were so high up and we had a bird's eye view. So that was the only challenging thing was actually getting to Orlando. Once we were there, it was great. Yeah, because you guys are, again, when you're doing a game in the same place, too, you play off each other and it's yeah. a glance it's, or it's a point to the other guy. And when you're, when you're in separate locations and you're trying to call the same game, sometimes that can be a challenge. Yeah, I was just, I was just got off the phone with Mike Breen and we were, we were talking this morning about this he said what they're doing is doing a zoom as their main view of the floor he said the problem with them is when they do then the on cameras and the split boxes and stuff like that when they're saying you know in the beginning of broadcast there is a significant delay now we see the delay in all the news shows and and you're almost i think as a viewer you know used to that and you know there's a delay but you get it and you're you're patient in basketball, football, any of these others, you know, it's like split second reaction. It's the anticipation and it's all the things that your eye sees when you're at the game. Like you're talking about Ernie, what Reg alludes to. So it's just, it's just retraining your eye, your thought process and knowing that we're just kind of plowing through this and and trying to make it work with, with all the different things that, that we want to make sure we accomplish being safe, being healthy, yet getting the games to people that they want to see. Hey, Reds, you you were a great player in one city your entire career. How excited or were you not excited about Giannis signing that extension? Oh, huge. You know, from a coming from a guy from a small market, I know exactly what he was going through because though that fan base, they live and die through you. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers can attest to that, Ryan Braun, all in that same market in uh, Milwaukee, the Wisconsin area. So I understand the weight that's been on his shoulders. And on top of that, think about back-to-back MVP and, you know, the Bucs having the best record the last two years and coming up short. It's funny because, you know, 
we are media, but I don't consider myself a media member. We kill guys for not winning championships, and therefore guys jump, Kevin Durant, whatever, going to other places and winning championships. But then we also kill them like not staying in a smaller market and making OKC a better team. I'm not signaling out KD, but that's a, a case in point. So I understand his thought process. I'm going to gamble on the team, and I'm going to dance with the girl who brought me here. And that was Milwaukee for him. He's never been interested in playing in a bigger market, and I see the loyalty there. Now, if he ends up not winning a championship, we can't turn around and crucify him for not winning a championship when all along people are going to say, well, you just, you just went to a better team to win a championship. You know, which one do you want? Do you want loyalty and longevity with one career, or are we holding championships at a higher level? Which one do you want? Reggie, how would you handle the James Harden situation? I'd probably go to him, put my arm around him, say, I love you, bro, but you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. Yeah. It's time. And, and look, the system that was built around him that allowed him to be a superstar, okay? James Harden is a superstar, but the system that allowed him to be a superstar, Daryl Morey is gone, and Mike D'Antoni is gone, right? And Coach Silas, I think, is a fabulous coach. And it's long overdue that he's gotten this, his first opportunity to be a head coach. But he's walked into something that he didn't sign up for. And with this system being gone, and I know they got John Wall and they got Boogie, but I think it's time for the Houston fans and the faithful and the front office to do the right thing and find the right package and move him. Because as much, when a player comes out and says, look, I don't want to be here. It, it, it's time. You'll never get anything near value back, but you, you've got to make that move. So let me ask you this question. Can James Harden play in a regular system? That, see, to me, that's the biggest question because, like, I think he has to play one way. The notion that he's going to change. So do you think, like, you put him uh, on a regular team, do you think he could play? I mean, and he's, got, and he's a great, great player. Don't get me wrong. But do you think he can fit in a regular system? I think great players can play in any system and any style. To me personally, it will depend on the style that the team plays with and the head coach. I think he would be great like in a Golden State system under Steve Kerr. I really do. I think he would be great with a great Popovich under that system. The head coach to me would be the key of where he's going because a coach has to have a strong personality to be kind of like Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson, as great a coach he was, he kind of got on Michael and Scotty in front of the other guys. Yeah. And that allowed those other guys to be like, oh, shit, if he's on Michael and Scotty like this, you know, we better get our stuff together. It depends on the head coach of where he goes next. Plus, I think he's so unique. And it, the adaptability of a team to him and vice versa, there's going to be some growing pains there, I think. Don't you, Reg? I, yeah. I, I, I can see he is like one of the most unique players that has ever played pro basketball. And with his set of skills, he's got to be unique to be what he is. If he's anything less and defers or does whatever he's going to do, you lose the essence of what you're trying to get and what he was in Houston, if indeed 
But to me, I see smoke signals here. I see him, you know, um, he signs the extension. He doesn't report. There's quarantine issues now. I mean, there's like all this stuff. He was a quiet guy. All of a sudden, there is a lot going on around him. And his actions are speaking, I think, loudly. I don't know if his head's in it. And I don't know if his heart's in it. And if those two things aren't in it for him in particular, he can't mask it. He can't camouflage it. And he can't play any other, under, uh, any other way. His way is his way. And I don't know if that's going to change. And then if you send him someplace else, that team has basically got to change every concept and scheme and angle that they've thought of and put into place in a very short preseason and training camp where there's a lot, there's a lot of layers to that story. But it's interesting as can be because the name is so big and, and his footprint is huge on this game. Hey, Chuck, if it's okay with you, can we, can we move on from the NBA for a second? Of course. So, Kevin, how is it <laughs> that these strange things happen when you're calling games where you get to <laughs> just just wing this there's a guy on the field or there's a squirrel or there's a cat or whatever there is it just seems these these episodes find you and you absolutely run with them <laughs> take me through take me through what's going on in that brain of yours when something like that happens on a field well you never want to be known for animals or drunks uh, on the field as, as a thing that is going to define you. Unfortunately, <laughs> for me, that is that has kind of happened a little bit. But no, I mean, it hasn't identified you at all. It's just that you've had such great fun with it. You man. know, I always worry, and Reggie, you know, has been with me when weird things have happened. But Ernie, you know, being a play-by-play guy as well as a host, that, you know, you're reactive and you have fun with it. And this is all supposed to be fun. And I hope people take it that way. I think they do. I think they take it as fun. For instance, when the camp was on the field in the Meadowlands a couple years ago, I looked over to the booth to my right and there's Brad Sham. He's done the Dallas Cowboys for 40 plus years. And then in the booth next to him is Bob Papa. And, and he's done, um, you know, the Giants for years and years and is a respected voice in New York. And then there's me and the Westwood One CBS radio booth doing the game. And, and after it was all over and the cat was on and off the field and darted away and he was chased by the state police and everything else. <laughs> I was curious to see how those two pros would handle that situation. Well, you know, we were having fun with it as we normally do and goofing around and the, and, and the cat went off. The play stopped. I mean, he was in the middle of the field, so you couldn't not say that there was a black cat on the field. Um, so the play happens, the game ends, we're going home. And I, I, I would just wonder what, you know, what those guys, so the next morning I'm going to the airport and I happened to hear, you know, what Bob Papa had done and they played a snippet and he barely mentions it. And <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then someone had sent me a, a, a clip of what Brad Sham had done, a 14 time broadcaster of the year in Texas and a, and a legend in NFL play by play. And he barely mentions it. And then I listened to old stupid me. Now he's at the five. He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW people who get it now. A policeman, a state trooper has come on the field. And the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And, and I, hey, the cat, fat old cat. Oh, my God, they're chasing their, their, he's slippery. There he goes. He's in the, you know, I can go, oh, my God. Hey, you're the one guy who got it right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
I hope I'm, I, you're in the moment. You're present. You're there. You enjoy that moment, and you have fun with it. And that really is all it is. It's nothing. It is nothing more than that. But those were two moments that people are animals were on the field affected play. <laughs> hey, can I just can I just add this? You know, I know Kevin will never want to toot his own horns because I've been you know next to him on a lot of these funny moments, and I'm just over there like laughing. But on the flip side too. There's also a presence of mind that he has when something serious goes down. Case in point, when Gordon Hayward oh, yeah. w- went down with that gruesome injury in Cleveland. Kevin and I were calling that game. And Kevin was the first to really see it um, in live action. And my first reaction was to, you know, talk all over the play. And I just remember him kind of tapping me and saying, no, calm it down, let it breathe, let the images tell the story. And it was in that moment, as an analyst, you kind of grow a little bit because, you know, I'm working next to a Hall of Fame guy in Kevin Harlan who has seen many of these injuries before. So, you know, people want to talk about all the funny moments he has and, you know, the cat and the drunk guy and all that. But there's also a seriousness in terms of telling a story and letting things breathe and letting the pictures tell itself and then talking over what people are assuming at home that I've learned from Kevin. So it goes both ways. Yes, he can be funny. He is that. But there's also a serious side to him that people don't understand or get as well. No, no doubt. I mean, you're not you're not uh, the national sportscaster of the year because of drunks and, and animals, uh, right. Kevin. It's because you're you just excel at what you do, and and you're an <laughs> incredible listener. I got a great question for Kevin. We'll decide if this is a great question, but go ahead and ask it. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you one because that's really unfair. What are the five greatest performances you've seen? like when you were doing a game? Well, in no particular order, I'd have to say uh, Brady leading the Patriots back from 28-3 down in the Super Bowl. And then it's more of a collage of moments. You know, I remember I, I did Jordan from the very – I did his fourth game ever he played in the NBA in 1984 in Kansas City against the Kings – Larry Brown was coaching at Kansas, brought his Jayhawk team to Kemper Arena to watch Jordan because of the Brown, North Carolina, Jordan triangle. And watching Jordan all those years, I just felt like there was something so different about the way he moved. Their college basketball tournament memories, Ari Farouk Manesh of of Northern Iowa knocking out number one seed Kansas with a series of three-point shots for Northern Iowa. I mean, like there, like there's this collage of things that I go through, watching LeBron become what he's become. And, and uh, Charles, one of the funniest moments, and it was because I was with Danny and the late coach Thompson in Houston, is when you and you and Shaq were exchanging blows and haymakers, and there was a <laughs> Danny going on. And, and watching that, and having Danny laugh like uncontrollably, and John just shaking his head with no expression, and me watching you two, you know, punches, missing punches and going after each other. I mean, like, those are the moments. You know, I see wonderful shooting from the Reggie Millers and the Ray Allens and the Steph Currys. And you, you see the slashing moves by 
like Kobe Bryant. I will tell you one thing, and I bring up Kobe's name, and it was off the uh, court. When I do this 2K NBA video game, they sent me to Newport Beach about three years ago to interview Kobe for a special segment that he was going to do on the video game. And we're on a we're in a marina setting in Newport Beach, and here comes Kobe in with with his assistant, and sits down, and we talked for about two hours straight. Now they gave us some topics, and then I could jump off those topics after his answer. And I hope these tapes see the light of day. What they did was they took snippets of his answers, and put them in the video game, and you hear him comment for ten seconds on this or twenty seconds on that, and they mixed it well, and they were their geniuses the way they edited. But the raw footage of us talking reveals so much about Kobe and the way he thought the game, his relationships, him being a father, about winning, about coaches, like all this stuff. It's those moments, Charles, that you know I feel like privileged to have been around. Now, listen, being with. A Hall of Famer like Reggie Miller is a is an honor every time we sit together, every time we're together. I learn something new every time. But it's those moments coupled with watching Brady, calling Jordan, seeing LeBron grow up, doing Kobe, and I did every one of his seasons from the time he was a rookie in the late 90s through his – Reggie and I did eight of his nine games on Turner his last season. Eight of his nine. Mm-hmm. And, and Reggie, right? Am I right? He was like – Mm-hmm. And every game he played, magnificent. Like, like, yeah. like, like he was stunningly good at that age in this final year. In my mind's eye, that, that's, that's what's up here. And I see those and, and feel those moments so much. Hey, uh, Reggie, as we, uh, as we wrap this up, we appreciate you guys being uh, generous with your time. We really do. These, these things just tend to keep running and we could sit here all day and do this it's really been great but uh, cap michael kaplan our producer has this idea based on your uh, uh eight points in nine seconds oh goodness Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, hey ernie we're asking what i gotta tell you a funny story about <laughs> uh, about that game okay we were the second game that day so we all watched from home, like, with, like, to a minute to go. And we're like, oh, the Pacers lost. And we all got to the game, and the reporter said, man, did y'all see what Reggie Miller did today? Like, yeah, they had a tough loss today. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, I said, no, man, we're getting ready to play, but there's no way the Pacers won that game. And they says, oh, you got to see a replay of the last couple of seconds, Reggie went crazy, and the Pacers won the game. So, man, I said, yo, we got to go look at this videotape. So instead of getting ready for our game, we're trying to find the last seconds of the Pacers game. And, man, that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Appreciate it. Yeah, every every time I want to see that video, I ask Greg Anthony for it. So, um, anyway, <laughs> based off the uh, – Eight points in nine seconds. Cap, our producer, says, uh, let's see if Reggie can name <laughs> eight reindeer in nine seconds. Oh, my God. So let's get ready to start the clock. I need my kids in here for that. As the clock started, stand by in three, two, one. You're on. Oh, Rudolph. Rancer, Dancer, Vixen. 
Nixon. Nixon was the president, dude. <laughs> Sandy. And there is the nine-second buzzer. Chuckster, fill in the blanks for him, will you? Well, I just know Rudolph Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. I think I agree with that. But that's – dude, nobody know nine reindeer. Who else is left? Why don't you ask Kevin that question? Hey, I guarantee you, I guarantee you <laughs> – that Kevin cannot name the reindeer. Go, Kev. You got Comet and Cupid and Diner and Blixen, Bixen, Blixen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about Comet and Blixen. You're yeah, right. right. It was You're a right. Dasher and Dancer, Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, Donner and Blitzen, and Rudolph. Did I get Prancer or did I say Nixon? Yeah, you said, yeah, yeah. We didn't ask you to name a president, but nice yeah. try, Reggie. <laughs> I think that if that segment didn't put you in the holiday spirit, nothing yeah, no. will. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. And, uh, and, I, and I really do think that uh, fans of the Steam Room, the loyal steamers, as we call them, will appreciate hearing about, you know, the challenges that go into doing your job the way you have to do them these days. And again, uh, it beats the alternative. You know, having nothing to call uh, just doesn't cut it. But uh, I think, I think too, that it'll, it'll create a little understanding that's saying, look, these guys are dealing with a little video delay here and not being able to see over here and just basically going off what they uh, what they see and, and you're excelling at it as always so keep it up y'all and uh, and have a, have a merry merry christmas it's, uh, it's always always great to see you thanks guys merry christmas to both of y'all and your family good to see you guys happy holidays everyone stay safe and and kevin stay away from the drunks and animals <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys thank y'all Back inside the steam room with the legend. Hey, thank you, Ernie. Uh, oh, I was going to say, yeah, I, I was going to say Charles Barkley and the legendary longtime producer of Inside the NBA, Tim Kiley, who is, oh. uh, you're downing some coffee there? Black coffee. You caught our earlier conversation, I, I assume, in our first segment. Yes, I heard about this. And I have some food items too, but you got great stuff out of Kevin and Reggie about the crazy moments that they've been through at games. And I'm just wondering what your reaction, Ernie, was to this last night. You know, Kevin, uh, that was talk about you coming back for the playoffs last year. So you really just been working on your game, trying to get back your timing and conditioning, really, be, to be honest, correct? Yeah. I thought... <laughs> That I thought Kevin, after 500 and something days away from from the game and, and playing in a game that mattered in a season opener, that he'd be, you know, a little more, um, uh, I don't know, forthcoming and a little more pumped up about, yeah, you know, it's great to be back playing the game and, and we won the game and that kind of thing. But he wasn't digging it last night. He didn't give us much. I think he was just a little bit salty uh, at me, which is fine. Why do you think so? Well, uh, 
Number one, I, I think he, he could – it's two things he could have heard. Uh, number one, me going at Kyrie uh, last week. And then I think before the game we were talking about he needs to win a championship away from the Warriors to be a made man, which is fine. I mean, I'm not going to change my opinion on either one of those subjects. Um, but listen, these guys are sensitive today, but that doesn't bother me. Uh, I think it was great for the show. <laughs> so anything that's great for the show, I'm good with. Yep, I'm with you on that. Hey, switching gears. Uh, now that you're drinking coffee for health reasons, have you ever had a McRib sandwich? Oh, TK. <laughs> Let me tell you something. They bring that thing out maybe once or twice a year. And it's like solid gold. Really? Yes, I've had a McRib. Are you serious? Get out of here. TK, they bring it out once or twice a year. And you have to be waiting on the commercial. And when that commercial comes on, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm getting in my car and driving to Mickey D's. What makes it so special, Chuckster? I think the bread and the onions. Uh, that's what I think. I think the bread and the onions make it. Just really, really good. Wow. Oh how many McRibs do you get when you go? Just one. Ernie, Ernie. And that's enough for you? Unless it's a hamburger or a cheeseburger, you can only get one sandwich. Like, you would never get two Big Macs or two Whoppers unless you're a pig. You can get two cheeseburgers or two two hamburgers, but you can't get more than one big sandwich. I didn't know there was going to be math in this thing. We actually have proof that Chuck's full of, well, you know what. Oh. I'm stealing a, a answering machine. I think Chuck ordered more than one a few times. Go ahead, Cap. Hi, Charles. This is Karen. When you were playing with the Rockets, I was working at McDonald's in the area that you were living in, Sugarland. We had a special just for you on the menu called the Charles Barkley special. It was two fish fillet and two apple pie, and I'll never forget that. Thanks. Well, actually, there's some truth to that. My pregame meal was two fish fillets, a large fry, and a Diet Coke. I never had two <laughs> apple pies, but two one of my fillets. game day meals were two fish fillets and a large fry, but I washed it down with a Diet Coke to keep the calorie count down. What's up with the apple pies? Did she, is she making that up? I think I think she uh, – I, 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 there might have been one day I ordered a couple pies. <laughs> I like those things. But I will confess, most game days, I eat two fish fillets and a large fry. Are you a tartar sauce guy? One of the greatest inventions ever in the world is tartar sauce. You two guys, the mouths are watering right now. <laughs> I am getting hungry. Dog my cats. <laughs> well, Ernie, I'm gonna I'm gonna second your thing. Let's kick you 2020 in the ass, and we'll see you guys in January. TK, thanks, man. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Give Mar a hug for Appreciate us. Appreciate everything you do for us. Have a great show tonight. Hey, listen, I ate many, many times. I ate two fish fillets and a large fry for my pregame meal. Jeez. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. We welcome you back to the uh, the final segment of the final episode of 2020 of the steam room. 
Thank you, loyal steamers, for hanging with us. Uh, thanks to Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller for stopping by, and of course, Tim Kiley. And, um, and we finish it up, uh, as we always do, with the old school Chuck's answering machine, 404-987-0330. Cap, our producer, and Audrey Martin, who is uh, so talented and is, uh, and is a big part of this podcast. And a new awesome mom. Yeah, yeah. Had, she had the idea, let's make it a note of positivity to close out 2020 on a year that's been so tough on so many folks. And I think that's a wonderful idea. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hey, Jeff, this is Ashton. This is Kyle O'Malley. We used to work with you at Turner back in the day. And we were calling to tell you something good that happened to us in 2020. We became parents. Our baby Jacob was born in June after trying to get pregnant for two years and going through IVF. We finally had our IVF miracle baby Jacob in June. Merry Christmas, Chuck. Merry Christmas, Chuck. We miss you. Chuck, some positive things that have happened in the year. My wife and I have actually been fostering dogs down here in Austin, Texas, man. We've had about 12 so far throughout the year, um, saving lives one snuggle at a time. It's been... Uh, it's been pretty solid, man. So between that and, and you learning how to not stop on a half swing, I like to say uh, 2020 really hasn't been all that bad. Chuck, what's up, man? Anthony Payton here. Listen, uh, I just wanted to tell you how much of a blessing you are to myself and my family as well. When I get around my dad and my uncles and my, some of my cousins, we get to just laughing about some of the things that you say, some of the things you doing inside the NBA, man. It truly is uh, a time of laughter every time you hop on TV, man. We appreciate the laugh. And like I said, man, it really is a blessing, given what's going on, just to have some fresh air and just to see you on TV, you and the gang, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Wow. Excellent stuff. You know, man, I, I just want to thank you to all three of those callers. Number one, congratulations on little Jacob Charles. Um, I, I know he's a cute kid. Uh, and number one, hey, y'all know how pets are uh, the greatest thing in the world. And my man, the last caller, hey man, thanks for being a fan of the show. Listen, we're the luckiest people in the world. You know, it, it was so amazing. Masai Ujiri had on last week. He's just an amazing guy. And he's like, yo, man, I got the best job in the world. And I can say that for myself. I'm the luckiest dude in the world. I got to dribble a stupid basketball around. It got me out of the projects in Leeds, Alabama, to a great Auburn University, to the Philadelphia 76ers, to the Phoenix Suns, to the Houston Rockets. I got a great picture with me and President Obama standing in the White House in the Oval Office, been all over the world. But man, I want to thank you three people for taking the time to call in to the answer machine. And hey, bless y'all in 2021. And, uh, hey, man, keep watching. Keep laughing. Thank yeah. you. You know, what I, what I loved about that string of calls was the music playing underneath it, kind of the old school Auld Lang Syne. And I, my mind immediately went to, because it sounded, it was like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, which is my favorite movie of all time, and which I will be watching on Christmas Eve. And it's... Um, and you, you know, I just think back to that, uh, to that scene, and it always, 
it tears me up every time I see it, Chuck. So I've watched that movie a gazillion times. And, um, you know, here's to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. And it always tears me up. I didn't know what to expect when we started doing the podcast. But, man, I'm so glad we do it. And those three callers are a perfect example of why it's awesome doing it. We've got uh, apparently one more call to close it out. Roll it, Cap. Uh, Mr. Barkley, this is Mike Davis. I just want to say, brother, you took the time to wish my son good luck when he was involved in a horrific accident last June. Chuck, I just want to tell you, man, he was a complete quadriplegic, but, brother, he's walking again. I just want to give you that update, and I thank you so much uh, for your inspiration. He still has some limitations, Chuck, but my man is walking, and he's a, he's a sophomore now at the University of Georgia. Thank you, Chuck. The steam room, baby. Wow. Hey, man, if you can't have no good Christmas now, there's something wrong with you. That's inspirational. If, if, if that don't make with all the crazy stuff we got going on in the middle of this mm. pandemic, if that, don't, if that don't make you smile and make you feel joy in your heart, you just, it's just something wrong with you. And uh, I'm going to say this, and it's painful to say, go dogs. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mom. I think you said his name was Mike, right? Mike Davis. Mike Davis, man. That's awesome. Again, to your point, I know this has been an incredibly, incredibly tough year. Uh, and um, But we are thankful for those moments like that one that, um, that give us hope. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, indeed. Merry Christmas to you, Chuckster. Merry Christmas, Artie Johnson Jr. And hey, guys, Merry Christmas. And we'll see y'all in 2021. And it's going to be much better. <laughs> Amen to that. See y'all.